The dilemma of humanity. The dilemma of humanity. I'm going to speak to you today just for a moment. Very simple message. Uh, The simplicity of the gospel, I think, so many times is overlooked because we try to make it so complex and and, and we have theologians that say this, and they're way smarter than most of us. And, but I think sometimes it's good for us, even those of us who have been walking with the Lord for a while, to come back to the simplicity of the gospel and, and how humanity had a dilemma. It was a sin dilemma. And so, so what I want to do is I want to read Romans 5, 12 through 19. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. And then I'm going to read it out of the message interpretation. All right? And you're going to enjoy that. And how many of you ever read the message, the, the message interpretation Bible? Okay, so, so let's read the New King James Version first, Romans 5, 12 through 19, talking about the dilemma of humanity. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. You guys still with me? Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through the one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. The dilemma of humanity, sin entering in through one man to all of humanity, and Jesus fixing the sin problem. Now, let's read this out of the message interpretation. I love this. Same text. You know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. First sin, then death. And no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. But the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into sin, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. Guess with me? Come on. Really? Okay. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the, end, at the dead end of the abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no com- comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict of the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes sovereign life? And those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, 
this grand setting, everything right that the one man, Jesus Christ, provides? Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. Wow. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many people in the right. The dilemma of humanity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your word. Pray that it be a change agent to our hearts so that we can change the community that you've placed us in. Amen. The solution of the cross. The solution of the cross. We have the, the, the dilemma of humanity. And I want to talk to you just for a moment about the solution of the cross and looking at some different aspects and benefits that the cross brings to our lives as believers and perhaps whether you're here watching online, unbelievers. And then when I say the cross, I'm not talking about a symbol. I'm not talking about something we wear around our neck. I'm not talking about, oh, the cross, oh, the cross this, oh, the cross that. That's just a representation of Christianity. Maybe you have a cross hanging in your house, which I do. I have several of them. But I'm not talking about just the idea, the object of the cross. Listen to this and listen close. I'm talking about the activity of the cross. All right, so, so let's not get confused here. Oh, wow, it's the week before Easter, and we're just going to say, see, you can't have Sunday without Friday. You can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion. And so, so when I talk about the cross, and you hear me talk about the, what the cross brings and what the cross gives and how the cross helps us overcome, I am not talking about just a cross, just a symbol. I'm talking about the activity of the cross. I'm talking about what went on leading up to the cross, what happened on the cross, what happened after the cross, which we'll talk about next week. So don't, don't miss this. We're going to talk about the activity of the cross. Does that make sense? I was, a, I was in a flag football tournament in college, and we went to Baton Rouge, and, and that's where the LSU is. And, um, and so they had this big football stadium there, you know, it was an SEC school. And how many have ever been to, uh, uh, okay, and they call that Death Valley. Death Valley? Some, some of you Gator fans are going, I will not say it. I will not speak of it. It will not come out of my mouth. Yes, there he is. <laughs> So anyway, so Friday night, me and my brother and some other guys just have, I always had seen this place on TV and, you know, it has the eye of the tiger in the middle. They paint it. You know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm boring you. Just give me a second. And so we climbed the fence and we went out on the field and we're, we're on the field, you know, and I, I actually took my shoes off and walking around the grass and stepping on the, the eye of the lion, you know, eye of the tiger, whatever it is. And, and it, it was, it was like awesome, but it was dark and it was empty. Well, we finished up the flag football tournament the next morning. Somebody gave us some tickets. And so we went to a game that Saturday night and watched the activity of a full stadium watching a competition where I had just stood 24 hours before. And I can assure you, it was much, it was a much different experience. This place was loud. People were throwing stuff. Guys were hitting each other. The activity of what was going on in that arena far outweighed just seeing the arena. You see where I'm going with this? The activity of the cross far outweighs just recognizing the cross as a symbol of Christianity. So I'm going to talk to you just for a moment today 
about what the cross does for us. Number one, the cross gave life. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. I'm going to use a lot of scripture today. A lot of it you've heard. But, but please, please don't, don't skip over these. This is such great scripture to use this week if you maybe are inviting somebody to church next week. But 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die. In other words, when Adam sinned, sin entered into creation. Sin entered into humanity. You and I were born into sin. We were born into a fallen world. The book of Job says people sin like sparks fly upwards. We, we're, we're all sinners. Some of us saved by the grace of God. But we all miss the mark. We all sin. I mean, most of us don't even have to get out of bed before we sin. Correct? And so, so the idea of trying to be perfect and trying to live outside of sin, it's just impossible without the activity of the cross. So, so do me a favor, and you'll be my favorite service if you'll actually do this. I'm going to touch Steve. You go that way. Touch the person next to you. Touch the person next to you and go down the line. Go, 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 go. I'm sin. By the way, I'm Adam. I'm sin. Go. Did everybody get touched? Can't keep going until everybody on the shoulder. Jesus <laughs> like, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> For... As in Adam, all die. In other words, we, we are, we're born into a fallen world, and we can do nothing about it. We're sinners. Yet, even so, however, even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. Yet, the disease of sin that brought death spread through humanity through one man, as we just read. Through, through another man, we gain Forgiveness. So if that one deed from Adam, Romans 5, nothing talked about, if that one deed from Adam brought sin to a group of people, how much more so did the activity and sacrifice of the cross bring forgiveness to humanity? You getting this? Because you're looking at me like I'm stupid. That may be true, but what I'm saying is not dumb. First Peter 3.18 says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, for the just, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. For Christ also suffered once for sins. Now, I love this analogy. Christ sacrificed for sin his whole life. For the Bible says in Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest that's separate from us, yet one who was tempted in all ways, yet lived without sin. Why is it important that he lived without sin? Because he had to overcome the law. He had to overcome sin to present himself to the cross blameless, sinless, because we couldn't do that. And so not once, but every day of his life, multiple times, he sacrificed to overcome sin. But once, he suffered. He suffered on the cross, the activity of the cross. Now, don't for a second remove yourself from the idea of how horrific a cross is. And, and you know, Jesus wasn't the first one to be crucified. 
I mean, that was the way of death for murderers. That was the way of death for thieves. And so what you have to understand is, is, is Jesus knew what was ahead of him, yet he was still able to say, not my will, but your will be done. He knew that he was going to go through torture. He knew that his hands were going to be nailed to a tree. He knew that his feet were going to be nailed. He knew that, yet once for sin. Now, I love this. The just for the unjust. So in other words, up until the point that Jesus comes to this world, from Adam to Moses, Paul says in Romans, there there were people who are good people. They're good people. They're just people. They're, they're, They're good people. I'm reminded of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 where he sends for Peter. He's a good person. He's a God fearing person. But up until the time that Jesus came, you couldn't be good enough because you're born into sin. And, and sin costs your flesh. And so the law that God put in place could, could not be obtained because we're, like Paul said in Romans 7, we looked at last week, what I want to do, I don't do. What I do want to do, I don't do. And there's a, there's a war going on in my flesh inside of me. We all know that war. And so, so here you, you, you get the idea that even, even if Jesus is saying, Jesus came to suffer once for sin for the just and the unjust. For the good and the bad, there is no link to his mercy. There is no gauge to his grace. Did you hear that? There's no link to his mercy and there's no gauge to his grace. Jesus had to come for the just who were good and good and gooder. And for the unjust who who were terrible, who weren't even trying to to live up to the law. And so, so we see right here that the activity of the cross allowed Jesus to suffer once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he, he being the just for the unjust, we, we not being deserving, that he might bring us to God. Oh, man. Just think about this for a second. You all know I'm a visual learner, and when I read the Bible, I visualize it, and that's the way I think, and that's the way you can, I can read something and forget it, or you can, you know, I can listen to something and forget it, but if you show me, like take fishing, for instance, I go fishing with somebody, and they say, hey, you ever seen this knot? They show me how to tie the knot a couple times, boom, I'll remember it forever. So, so, so I visualize this, and, and I think about this, that, just, that he might bring us to God. And when I, when, I see, when, I, when I read that, this is what I see. I see, you know, me as a middle-aged adult, and it's not often that people just come around and pick me up. Probably the same for you, right? Nobody just comes around and picks you up. Hey, Jason, let me pick you up. Dude, you're weird. What are you doing? Just stop picking me up. But... But, but, but I, I visualize Jesus and those strong, muscular arms of a stonemason or a carpenter or whatever you want to call him, picking me up after suffering once for sin on the cross, the just for the unjust. He was right. We were wrong. Picking me up in this beautiful picture of bringing me to God. All day, every time I preach this message today, I've not been able to get away from the preciousness of that thought. He's bringing me to God. Not in my own power, not in my own goodness, not in my own deeds, not in my anything that I can do. Jesus, it was all about the activity of the cross. And through the activity of the cross, he was able to pick me up out of the miry clay, set my feet on a rock to stay, carry me to Jesus. You got to get that today. No matter how important you think you are, how tough you think you are, how lost you think you are, how hurt you are, Jesus died on the cross so he could pick you up and carry you to a God that loved you so much he allowed that to happen 
Oh, he bring, bring. Oh, I just get this picture of, you know, because I know me and I know I don't deserve that, but he, he picked me up and he brought me. Being put to death in the flesh, meaning Jesus put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So, so here, here's where you have to, to land, is you, you got to know the cross brought life. Number two, the cross gave overcoming power. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross, in other words, the activity of the cross. You're telling me, because you got to read this in its context, read this in its, in its time period, the Jews believed that the Messiah was going to come and set them free and rescue them from the Roman Empire and rescue them from all of their enemies and set up his kingdom on the earth and, and everything was going to be grand and they were going to rule with him. And here comes the Messiah and, and here, here he comes. And his whole message is you got to be last to be first to find your life. You got to lose it. And he continually tells the disciples, they're going to kill me. I got to die. I've, I've got to be crucified all the way to the, it's foolishness. And it was even foolishness to the disciples. Do you know that? You got James and John arguing, hey, can we be on your right and your left? They got their mom doing their dirty work for them. And then you got Peter saying, never. And Jesus said, you know, I must die. Peter says, never. And then what does Jesus call Peter? Satan. If your boss calls you Satan tomorrow, get your resume out. He says, get behind me, Satan. Because Jesus is focused on what he has to do to die once for sin, the just for the unjust. And so, so it's foolishness, especially in westernized culture, it's foolishness, it's foolishness to think that by dying we win. And But that was the whole message of Jesus. I'm going to give myself so that you can be brought to God. For those who are, who, are, who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. It's the activity of the cross that's the power of God. For, for, we'll see in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But, but the power of God is portrayed all through the Bible. You know, you're reading the Psalms where the, his voice thunders and the waters rage and the bark is torn off the cedars of Lebanon. You're reading Isaiah where it talks about, you know, all kinds of great creation stuff. You look at Job and it says, hey, surely you know where I hide the hell for times of war. And just this massive, unbelievable picture of how mighty and awesome God is and how he flung the stars into existence and carpeted the fields with grass and, and how he created everything he calls the stars out by name and in this wonderful mighty awesome God but his power is balled down to the activity of the cross because it took all he had to send his only son to go through what he had to go through so that you and I could be restored back to him that's the good news that's the gospel my friend it is good news God it, it's the power of God that allowed the activity of the cross. God wasn't just sitting up there going, mm, well, this crucifixion will be over pretty soon. No. No. Even Jesus said at one point, why have you turned your back on me? Horrific. Horrific. So for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, 
It is the power of God application this week. Take some time if you're a believer. Take some time and think about what it took for God to send his only son and what it took for Jesus, who was in the beginning, who everything we know is created, was created in him and through him, to submit to the process of death. He wasn't created to die. He was God. We weren't created to die until sin entered in. You just sit back, go to the beach, take a run, whatever you do, and reflect on the goodness of God shown in the activity of the cross to those who believe is the power of God at work in our life. Number three, the cross did away with condemnation. Can you say amen? Amen. The cross did away with condemnation. Let's just look at that word condemnation for a second right there. Condemnation. Condemnation to be condemned. To live in condemnation. To constantly be condemned is what that word means. The cross did away with condemnation, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The power, the activity of the cross The activity of Jesus Christ giving his own life for us. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, who was sinless and blameless, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness, a court, courtroom term. Righteousness, to be justified, to be made right in the eyes of. We are justified in the eyes of God and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to have peace with God without the activity of the cross because with the activity of the cross, he brings us to God and does away with condemnation. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Who wants to live their life serving God a higher being that is constantly condemning them. That's why much of our society wants nothing to do with Christianity because that's the Jesus that's been portrayed. So we go find other religions and read other books that depend more on us. And if I can do this, 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 and give this and do this and work this and this, and I'll reach some kind of state of enlightenment and I'll be okay. We tell you, the activity of the cross had nothing to do with you and I except for that the love of God was being poured and lavished upon us. There's no condemnation. So you may be here today thinking, you know what? I'm not good enough for God. I don't deserve God's grace and mercy. I don't. There is no The cross did away with God. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove this to you. Jesus is hanging on the cross. Luke chapter 22, verses 33 and 34. 23, 33 and 34. The beating has happened. The mock trial has happened. The carry the cross to Calvary has happened. He has been beaten, stripped naked beyond recognition. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, now he's not talking to the criminals. He's talking to those who crucified him. Now watch this. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound like a Savior that's waiting to bang you on the head? Crucifixion. 
The way that you die from being crucified, if not, usually you didn't bleed to death, you died of suffocation. Because your rib cage would fall upon your lungs and you couldn't get a breath. Because if you wanted to get a breath, you had to press against the nails in your hands and your feet to push up so you could grab a breath only to lay it back down. So even the fact that Jesus was willing to, to go through the pain of pushing against the nails. See, we like the clean cross, don't we? We like the little pretty cross and the little dang. The cross was horrific. What Jesus went through was horrific. And, and double time that because of what he left to go through it. A palatial kingdom of heaven. And I, I love this. Then Jesus said, what all went into him being able to talk right there? This is moments before he says it is finished. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do, they do not know what they got. In other words, God, forgive them for they do not know what they do. These people who are gambling for my clothes that stripped me naked, that beat me, that put the crown of thorns on me, forgive them for they do. Does that sound like a condemning Christ? Forgive them. And you know what's so amazing to me? He says those words, and when he says it is finished, you ought to read the Bible. When he says it is finished, pe- people come up out of their graves and start walking around town. There's an earthquake that happens, and these same people that crucified him said, uh-oh. I'm not sure what language or what, you know, you, I'm just paraphrasing in Ready G version, uh-oh. And then they said, surely... He was the Messiah. You take the knowledge of the activity of the cross, the words of forgiveness that surely those soldiers heard. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And how could he forgive? He is crazy. You take the forgiving words with the fact that creation is revolting because its creator has just died. You get some saved soldiers. Why? Because the cross did away with condemnation. John 3, 16, most of you can quote it. John 3, 17, memorize it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. No, well, what if I do this, or what if I did that? Or what if I can do this, or what if I can do that? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, yet so that the world could be saved through him. So he could bring us to God. So he could wrap his arms around us and carry us to God. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, yet so the world could be saved through him. 60 seconds to tell the world who Jesus is. I'm going to badger you about this for the rest of, of this year. I hope you're working on it. 60 seconds to tell the world. If you had 60 seconds to be on every TV channel, every, every internet for 60 seconds, who would you tell the world Jesus is? To me, this has got to be in there. That, that, that this, this verse has to be in there because that's what the world needs to hear. He's not here to tell you you're bad. You already know you're bad. He's not here to tell us how wrong we are. We already know we're wrong. He's not here to tell us how dysfunctional we are. We have enough people in our life to tell us that already. Amen? He, he's, hey, look, I didn't send my son into the world to condemn the world yet so the world could be saved through him. Wow. That's the Jesus the world needs to hear about. That's the Jesus you can take a deep breath in. 
in the good, in the bad, in the ugly. When life's grand and when it's not so grand. When life's leaking or you're floating along. That is the Jesus. That's the Jesus you want to be in the boat with. That's not the Jesus that says, hey, disciples, why are you sinking? He just tells the wind and wave to shut up. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You invite somebody to church next Sunday or to the event, and they say, well, you know, I just I need to get my stuff together before I go to church. So, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That, that you're, you're so far from, uh, that's not what God's about. God knows about your stuff. Don't worry about your stuff. He'll take care of your stuff. He just wants you. And if your stuff comes along with it, great. He'll deal with it later. Because he's not waiting to condemn you. He's waiting to save you so he can spend eternity with you. Last thing. Number four, I mean. I said last thing, didn't I? I was trying to trick you. The cross brought victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 57. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the what? Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive me for being redundant, but many of these passages that we're looking at are, are, are correlating the love of God through the victory of the love of God who gives us victory in Jesus Christ. The love of God who allowed to send his, his only son. The love of God, the power of God is the activity of the cross. Are you seeing this? God loving humanity, Jesus taking care of the dilemma of humanity, the solution of the cross. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says this. You are dead because your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ and forgave all our sins. Not some, not just the, now let me pick those out. All our sin. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The activity of the cross. Verse 15. In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So the very way that people thought the Messiah was going to bring victory is the very opposite of the way he brought victory. He laid down his life. Go back to verse, verse 13 14. Look at verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The activity of the cross. He canceled the debt against us. He canceled the charge against us. He canceled the rule book against us. And let, me, let me just put it to you this way. Two illustrations here. I guarantee you, if word got out that if you attend Coastline Community Church on a Sunday morning, all of your debt will be paid. <laughs> Woo! All of your debt. We're going, to call, we're going to call your credit card companies and your mortgage company and your car people, and we're going to tell them, cancel See, we get so excited about that. Yeah, this is just such a small part of eternity. And we get so caught up in it. I guarantee you, we could not have enough services. We would have services 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Think about it. It would be on national news. It's a miracle. You go to Coastline Community Church, and you go home, and there's no more bills. 
I'm not lying, am I? That would, that would be the truth. Packed house, overflow, room, every, your debt is canceled. And we cannot get out of our fleshly world enough to see how much more important the spiritual world is and how much more important eternity is. And we just like, okay, I'm, you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm safe. So the debt of sin over your life has been canceled? Yeah. Yeah. Really worried about those bills I got to pay at the end of the month, though, man. That's a bummer. Report card time. Anybody remember report card time when you were growing up? I hated report card time. Uh, you know, I told you we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I, I heard more sermons on the second coming of Jesus than, than I mean, I mean, just scare you to death. But I would literally, like three, four days out from report card time, I'd, I'd repent of every sin that I knew that I'd have ever committed, and then I'd say, I'm ready. Jesus, even so, come quickly. Before my father sees that report card. My brother became a master at signing my father's name. Until this day, he can sign my dad's name better than my dad can sign it. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's hilarious. And so he would bribe me, of course. You know, I'd clean his room. He'd sign my report card. And, and, and I, can remember, I can remember one time, you know, and my parents are busy, very hard workers, and sometimes they just miss it. I'd be like, yeah. But, you know, we sitting around and you know, having dinner or something, you know, and Hey, what report card? Didn't you guys win? When do y'all get the next report card? <laughs> yeah. Well, they they went to this twelve week thing instead of the six week thing because they're saving paper. And it's really overworking the teachers. And my dad be like, "Yeah, he called. They call the school. Yeah, I got man. My dad believed in spanking. I'm still here." But, but, but there, there's some truth in that. See, my brother Jeff could, he could forge my dad's name just enough to get me by, but at some point it wasn't enough. Had to be my father's name. It had to be my father's signature. And there are many things in this world that offer a substitute for the activity of the cross. Yet... Colossians says he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God. The sin of the world upon his shoulder, he nailed it to the cross. Canceled our charges, our debt, our record. You can walk, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can walk out here today free. Free from the obligation of sin. Now, last thing. The cross showed the true love of forgiveness. The cross showed the true love of forgiveness. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You think about this for a second. Think about maybe your, your favorite movie and you know, epic movies, and in those movies, there's a hero, right? Or there's someone who maybe lays down their life or takes a bullet or rescues someone or, you know, against all odds, they go and they're, you know, there's some heroic, epic, really 
really awesome movies. Can I tell you, this is the most epic story ever. Good, good triumphs, evil. And how did he do it? Love. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. It's towards the end of the book of John, you know, he, he's talking to the disciples. And he's trying to get through to their head. You know, this is what's going to happen. And he makes a statement. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. The friend of sinners. So here's where, here, here's an awesome thing that I don't think we do enough. I'm looking across some of you today and you have smiled through this whole message. Because God is just reminding you of how blessed you are to have found him. Or he found you. He brought you to God. And you're just sitting there going, yeah, yes. Yes, and everybody in your life may not get it, but you get it. You're like, God, I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I want to live my life in, in such a way. Maybe you're here today and you, you've, you don't get it. Like you've never, you can't point to a moment in time where you've accepted the love of God, the sacrifice of God, the activity of the cross that brought forgiveness. Maybe, maybe you're not assured of eternal life with a God who loves you so much he sent his only son. Salvation is the term that we use. Being saved. Are you saved? You hear that a lot. How, how am I saved? Well, the Bible, all through, I just pick a few out. We're justified. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible also says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and he was raised from the grave, you'll be saved. All of those point to a faith element. The Bible says that you have been given a measure of faith. And what you do with that faith is up to you. It's up to you. Now, I preach this message today in simplicity in the hopes that it would encourage a lot of us just to be reminded of how blessed we are to have such a great God. But also, maybe you're like people in the first and second service and probably online who said, you know, I can't point to a moment in time where I've ever been saved where I've ever put my faith in Jesus Christ. That is between you and God. No one can do that for you. There's no class you can take. There's no, no one can, no one can say magic word over you and then you and God are good. It's your faith. And once you're old enough to understand what God's done for you, you get to choose where you put your faith. Creatures of free will. He brought us to God, but once he brings us to God, we're with God face to face, and we have a decision to say, oh God, I'm going I'm to receive your gift of salvation, your love, your grace, and your mercy, and your forgiveness. Or I'm just going to keep living the way I'm living, and I'm going to push you away for a while. I would submit to you today, for those of you and those of us in this room who have been smiling this whole message, you want to know the grace of God. It is the best way. Would you bow your head all over this place? The dilemma of humanity was sin. The solution was the cross. Have you taken advantage of the solution? You're here today. You say, Jason, I don't know that I'm saved. I, I feel like God's knocking on my heart right now, but I can't really point to a moment in time where I've given my heart to the Lord. I don't know that I'm at peace with God. If that's you and you're in this room right now or you're watching online, you say, I need to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Would you slip your hand up long enough for me to see it and just put it right? I see your hand. Just put it right back down, man. 
Anyone else? Anyone else? I don't want to miss anybody. You raise your hand. I want to pray with you after service. Come up to the table and see Christy. Get a Bible and a devotion. I'll see another hand. Thank you. Thank you. If you're online and you know that you need to be saved, go to our website and go to Starting Point, and you'll get a seven-day devotion, and it'll give you a chance to email a pastor. We'll get back with you. But right now, most importantly, pray this prayer with me and open your heart as you pray this prayer. Father, thank you for loving me. And thank you right now that I'm not making this decision out of emotion. I'm making it because I truly understand that you love me so much you allowed the activity of the cross to happen. So right now I'm confessing and I'm believing in my heart that I confess that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe he was placed in the grave and I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe he's coming back for me one day. And so right now at this very moment, God, thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life. Change my life. I need a fresh start. I need a starting point, Lord. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that are filling the void with things I've been trying to fill it with of this world and hadn't been working. Thank you for peace that's going to flood my soul as I go throughout this week. Put people around me, Lord, that I didn't even know were believers. Give me the boldness to come up and get a Bible and a devotion. Lord, but most of all, thank you, thank you, thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.